Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Was I supposed to do it then? Well, somewhere around there. Well, there you go, people. Welcome to another edition of the disorganized show known as Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Richard, KB5JBV. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Well, there's me and there's that other guy, that, that fella up there in the beautiful, beautiful, green and rustic northern Arkansas uh, uh, nah, I ain't going to say it. Northern Arkansas mountains. And that would be Russ K five T U X. Tell it, tell everybody. Hello, Russ. And don't get on me about being late. Okay. I'll try not to. This is Russ K five T U X live from somewhere in North central Arkansas. And Richard just crawled out of his cardboard box down there by the Trinity river, somewhere Southeast of, uh, Dallas proper. How's things going down there for you today? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. And things just keep, uh, well, you know what my life, my life, it, the great thing about my life is it's consistent, consistently and crappy. What, and everybody, anybody's been listening to this show for, for any period of time will know what the heck I'm talking about. So it saves me a lot of work, a lot of work. All right. Good deal. Well, let me start off by saying this is one of those episodes that, you know, we keep saying that these episodes are going to be short. And then they all wind up being about 90 minutes long. This one may actually wind up being short, no music guys. So don't, don't get all amped up for the music. Cause there won't be any this time. I think we may actually bring this in under an hour, but you never know. We'll see how it goes. My target is 10 minutes. Well, I think we may have more than 10 minutes here. We're going to be here. You know what? I've called more than one net over the years. That was less. In 10 minutes. I think the shortest one was three minutes. Well, that's not a good thing. You're supposed to encourage people to check in. Fire it up, check them in, shut it down. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I get tired of coddling people. All right. So, um, let's see. Uh, don't have any comments about the seventh deadliest tornado in U.S. history. Let's see. I don't have any comments about. Boy, seems like I ought to be chapping somebody's backside, but I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. So I guess we need to get on into it. Uh, y'all remember that the dancing segment one little letters at the top of the etherpad are driving Richard nuts. And also remember to sign up for the following LHS goodness. You're going to have to explain that Reddit thing again, cause it's not clicking for me. 
okay the reddit thing is there's a website out there on the internets the the intar tubes called reddit.com romeo echo uh yeah romeo echo delta delta india tango.com reddit.com and basically what it is is a collection of places where you can find out stories and links to information about all kinds of different topics so there's a reddit out there for linux there's one out there for technology for satellites for tv for anime for whatever it is you're interested in and as it happens i created a subreddit uh which would be one of those category things for linux in the ham shack you can find that at reddit.com stroke r stroke lhs podcast and what we're asking people to do is to go on over there whenever they see something that might be of interest to our listeners or to us in the way of talking about it as a topic on the show and posting a link to it over there on the subreddit so that everyone can see it and i actually got one of our listeners today g0hww to go over there and post a link to an interesting little bit of work he's been doing with Zaster and flight recorder data, which is really cool. And if you go over to our subreddit that I just gave you the URL for, you can see that link. And if you go and post links to, to interesting things like that, we may go ahead and talk about it on the show. And that's the whole purpose of a subreddit. Does that make any kind of sense? Uh, well, yes. Uh, just because I can't grasp it doesn't mean they can't grasp it. Well, it's kind of having a stroke. <laughs> well, I kind of hope that you can grasp it because if you can grasp it, that means everybody can. Now, that's true because Richard dumb as rock. No, I didn't say that. Dumb as rock. I had a woman tell me I was old today. Older than, oh, well, I don't know. You're not that much older than me, so I guess I won't talk. We were talking about a store over in, over in Mesquite. And I said, I used to ride my bicycle in the field over there. I was about 10 years old when they built the store. And she said, Wow, that store really has been there a long time. Now, you see, it's stuff like this that puts us over an hour. Itch. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I think I'm having a stroke because the segment one keeps dancing back and forth across the screen over here. I, th <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I may yes. have done that accidentally the first time. I apologize. Mm, sideline aside all right everybody go on uh also we want to remind everybody to go on over and sign up for the mailing list at http colon stroke stroke lists with an s because richard got a, a problem with s's uh lists at blacksparrowmedia.net stroke mailman stroke list info and if you can't remember all that, go on over to Black Sparrow Media Web or blah, 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 go over to the LHS podcast website and look at the show notes and it'll be there. Also, follow our updates via the mobile applications available for iPod, iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Y'all going over, Russ has been working on the apps in the they're uh, getting better and better all the time. And this would good be, be a good place for me to also insert that it is now official. Now official. Not only do you have to, I mean, you've been able to get to the Black Sparrow Media site via blacksparrowmedia.com, but now all that stuff is consolidated and .net and .com reside with the same custodian. He has custodial custody. Isn't that right, Russ? Something like that, yes. 
basically the gist of that is you can use blacksparrowmedia.net or blacksparrowmedia.com interchangeably, whichever one you happen to feel better typing. Also, we, uh, man, we got a lot of stuff we're asking y'all to do. We want to please, we want you to please check out and join the ambassador program. For those of y'all who don't know what the ambassador program is, it's where Russ gets you to go do stuff for free for us. Yes. The event calendar is expanding quite a bit and we need your help. These events are now worldwide. Could use some help outside the U.S. as well as uh, all over the country uh, from California to Maine. In fact, I don't know if I've missed it or not. I think Hamcom happens here in a week or two, give or take. Some of you guys in Plano, get on the stick. Uh, get yourself ambassadorized. Go on over to HTTP colon stroke stroke. Uh, yep, that colon colon stroke. No, I told you, Rich is having a stroke. <laughs> HTTP colon stroke stroke. LHSpodcast.info stroke ambassadors. Now, if you want that in English, that would be HTTP colon stroke stroke LHSpodcast.info stroke ambassadors. Check out the ambassador program. We're having a lot of success with that. And, uh, it's nice to be able to get some of our listeners out there to talk about what they like about the show. I mean, it's easy for me and Russ to be enthusiastic about it because, well, we invented the thing and, um, but the folks that listen to it, if they're enthusiastic about it, that means that, uh, the people that they talk to are liable to get enthusiastic about it. So y'all go on over to, uh, LHS podcast.info stroke ambassadors and check it out. Do you have anything to say about that, Russ? Well, I think you pretty much nailed it there. I will say that there is like, I had only had a seven or eight events on there that were some ham fests, some that were suggested and some that we've been to in the past, but I have recently gone through like all of the ham fests that I think are viable for Linux in the ham shack to take part in, including a few that are actually overseas, one in Spain, uh, a Linux fest in Australia and a couple others, plus lots and lots of ham fests and Linux fests throughout the United States. Now I'm going to be at a few of those. We've got some ambassadors who are going to be at a couple of those. We're going to try and get Richard to go to one or two of the ones that are near him down there, maybe like Belton or the Texoma Hammerama, something like that. For the rest of them, we need ambassadors. So if you would express some interest in the ambassador program by sending an email to info at lhspodcast.info. Or you can use ambassadors at lhspodcast.info. And if you want to see what kind of events are coming up and where we'd like to have your help, go check out the page that Richard already told you about and we'll also be in the show notes. That's right. And y'all don't forget about the Bama Hammerama. What the hell happened to my computer? Uh, y'all uh, don't forget to check out the Bama Hammerama when, any chance you get. Just down there in uh, that place over there yonder. Yes. All right. All right, next. All right. So YFK test. Yes. Uh, there really does seem to be a problem with YFK test. Uh, it's been confirmed by John, the I seven IG. Apparently Russ has talked to EI seven IG and he has reported that it's a piece of crap. So what's going on with that? We have talked about in the past couple of episodes or maybe two or three episodes back 
um, about YFK test, which is a contest logger written by, I think his call sign is DF one YFK or DJ one YFK, something like that. Anyway, the URL for it is fkurz.net, and we were touting it as a contest logger option for Linux because it runs in a terminal window and uh, seems to be a decent logging program, but I could never get it to work. And the problem seems to be something to do with the ARRL field day logging part of it because uh, John EI7IG fired it up and said he wasn't having an issue with it, but when I was using the field day logger part, it wasn't actually logging any contacts. So he suggested that I try a different contest. So I actually fired up the IOTA contest uh, for Islands on the Air, put in some fake data that actually matched an IOTA contest, which means you have to put in a proper section uh, for the island that you're contacting. And when I did that, it actually logged properly. But no matter what I did when it came to the ARRL's field day log, no matter what kind of section I put in, whether it was Arkansas or Missouri or Northern California or, you know, sections that I know are valid for ARRL field day, it would not log it properly. So I'm going to go ahead and email the author of the program, which, like I said, is uh, Delta Juliet 1 YFK, something like that. I'm sure Bill will correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, and uh, see if you can figure out what's what's going on with the field day part of that. Uh, or that guy that called me on the phone. The guy that called you on the phone? You remember? Guy called me on the phone about it. Yeah, but was that YFK log? I don't think that was. Um, I have to check into it. I think it was, though. YFK test or YFK test. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll look back through my notes. I made a note of it when I was talking to him. Okay. But, but uh, we'll YFK test, does, you know, it does actually work if I select something other than field day and you put in, it does actually apparently do some checking, some auditing of the information you give it so that if you put in invalid response codes, like invalid exchanges, it won't log. For some reason, no matter what you put in for field day, it doesn't work. So obviously it needs some tweaking. And there you go. And we'll get it checked out. Uh, like I said, I'll check my notes and see if uh, the, the guy contacted me about that one. And then I'll get you the information. You can talk to him about it. I will be talking to him, the German who created the program. Yes. We'll sick Fab on his butt. Yeah, that's a good idea. Except Fab lives in England now. Well, that's okay. Sure he's got relatives he goes visits from time to time. Yeah, I'm sure. And there you have it. All right. And from the yes, it's an antenna file, a multiband HF dipole made from horse fencing. Now, uh, I went over and looked, and I'm, I'm not real up on horse fencing because back when we used to fence animals in, we used barbed wire. Barbed wire. And uh, I hung my fair share of it. But uh, anyway, Russ found this. Holy mackerel, stuff's moving around again. I must be having a stroke. No, that's me. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Anyway, Russ found his antenna, which appears to be made of horse fencing. It looks like a pretty standard uh, dipole made out of some uh, flat stainless steel uh, material uh, covered in uh, what well, looks like nylon. In fact, this whole page has got several, several antennas on it, but I really think they're only selling the dipoles. Y'all need to go check this out. It's a little too difficult to describe. We just need to like 
point you all over there and let you go look at it. This is actually something else. If I had the room, I, it looks like a good design. I would like to try it if I had the room, but I don't because I live in an HOA restricted area. Y'all go over and check out KF4BWG.com. KF4BWG.com. It sure enough says HF horse, fe- horse fence antennas on it. Looks like he's uh, selling ah product reviews on Eham. So y'all go check that out. Uh, you going to get you one of these, Russ? No, as it happens, I already have a uh, very well-functioning HF antenna, so I don't need to get one of these, but... I did see this uh, when I was perusing some recent ham radio news, and he was, in fact, up at uh, Dayton Hamvention, and I saw his booth uh, when I was wandering around what little bit I did. And I always get a kick out of the things that amateur radio operators will make antennas out of. And I just saw this, and I was like, well, he's, he's using that you know nylon-covered electro horse fence wire to make uh, an HF multiband dipole out of that's got to be worth a mention. So it, it appears to be broadbanded according to what they're saying on the website. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, it actually looks like a really decent material to make an HF antenna out of, I mean, who to thunk it. Right. So, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, go check this out. I mean, whether you need a dipole or not for your HF rig, uh, this looks like a decent alternative and they, I don't, uh, believe they're, they're too terribly expensive about, uh, you know, about in the order of a G five RV and you can even get the plans to make one yourself. So, uh, check out Kilo Fox for Bravo whiskey golf.com and you can, uh, buy or make yourself a horse fence dipole antenna. So, I mean, shoot less than one, th- 1.3 to one across the 40 meter band it appears it stays down under 1.4 from 3894. No, from 3800 to 4 uh, to 4 on uh, the 75 meter band. I mean, most people, that's all they really need. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to find one that's got a little bit of room. Shoot, I have to tune up four different times to go across the 75 meter band on these uh, wire antennas I build. Y'all go check it out. Y'all go check it out. Oh, and for those people who have a slightly higher than average IQ who like to have their brain hurt with the average pun, Bill in the chat room said there's no such thing as horse fencing. They can't hold the AP. I'll just let that one sit. I don't I don't have my uh my rim shot available. So But I'm bum. Yeah. There we go. But I'm bum. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while. It seems that Bert is up to his old shenanigans again. Russ seems to have found an article called Pulling the Land Duke. And uh, Tom Nardi, and I have no idea who this guy is. I just know he's writing an article on this, uh, what is it, the power base. And he is really ripping Brian a new one. You, well, you've read the article. What, what do you feel about that? You're a little more up on all this Linux stuff than I am. I'm not sure what to think about this thing. Brian has been taking a lot of heat, and that's Brian Lundig, by the way he who Richard calls Bert from the Linux action show. Uh, Brian has been taking a lot of heat lately about his uh, perceived stance on open source software because he happens to be a closed source software developer, even though he partakes in the open source community and advocates it wherever possible. 
And this particular article, which I'm not going to go ahead and read the URL for because it's ridiculously long, but it will be in the show notes, is a guy who is, like Richard said, tearing Brian a new one for his attempt to monetize his uh, software packages under the GPL. I didn't want to put this in here because I had a thought one way or the other about it, but I do think it's an interesting look at the GPL and the methods people use to sell software and whether or not the GPL and open source software is a good platform for selling software. So what I would do is just try and encourage our listeners to check out this article and form an opinion for themselves and see you know, whether you side with Brian or whether you side with Mr. Nardy or whatever his name is, nerdy, nardy, dickhead. Anyway, you know, whatever your opinion is, I, I don't want to try and sway anyone one way or the other. And I'm not sure I really have an opinion one way or the other, because while Brian does what he does and tries to make a living at it, he also is a big proponent of open source. So I see it from both sides and I think people should check out this article and make their own opinion. That That's sort of why it's in there. That's the deal. You know, people nowadays, they don't donate when they use something the way they used to. Over the last 20 years, it's gotten even worse. And it, with the current economic situation, it's even worse. And nobody raises hell about the fact that Ubuntu has started putting software that you have to pay for in the software manager on their operating system. Uh, nobody complains that they have to pay for apps for their Android phones, but somebody wants to jump rip Brian a new one because he wants to work out a way to actually generate some kind of income to help further what he's doing. And I have a little bit of a soft spot for this because that's the reason resident reason resident frequency and being it went out of production is because we couldn't get enough donations to cover the cost of running the thing and I had to go work that out those hours that I was having to do to uh, having to use to make the show happen uh, go out and work instead so that I could make some money to try and pay my bills concerned I may I may give a lot of grief where where Brian's concerned as far as our sh our show here but uh, I've known kind of known Brian and Chris for a long time and you know, it just makes sense. I mean, even in the podcast community, if you go out there, I mean, Linux Action Show or Jupiter Broadcasting is making a uh, little bit of money off of doing shows. Uh, there's other people that are doing shows and turning it into a little bit of a living. So where donations are concerned, sometimes you don't get enough. And if the man's having to take something that he actually gets paid for and set it to the side to uh, try and get something else going for the open source community, he ought to be able to make a little bit of money on it. At least that's the way I feel about it. Uh, Bert, we may give you a hard time, but I'm behind you, buddy. I think uh, I think you, as long as you don't get nuts, because you do tend to tackle uh porta potties every once in a while so keep on keeping on this tom nardy i don't know uh, i know mostly where his position comes from from reading some of the comments down below the article apparently he likes to take people to task when they aren't going the direction that 
he likes them, wants them to go. So with that, uh, I think Russ has probably said everything he won't say on the subject. So uh, uh, y'all insert your favorite piece of music, your favorite song here, and we'll be back in about 10 seconds. All right. Now that you've uh, imagined your favorite song, we're back. Yes. Well, it's imagination theater. It's like imagining stuff all time. When you live in a world like mine, you really have to concentrate to not imagine because there's weird stuff going on all the time. Like that stroke I was having earlier, looking at the etherpad. Okay. So, um, and uh, let me stop a moment and tell our dedicated listeners that we understand things have been kind of weird where the show's going on. Things have been kind of rough on both ends. We're going to try and uh, get back in the groove over the next few episodes. So having said that software defined radio hardware. Okay. This is our subject this time around. And, uh, first up, we got the GNU radio project at uh, HTTP colon stroke stroke GNU radio.org. Now, uh, GNU radio is a uh, software stuff thing. Well, we're talking about software defined radios anyway. And, uh, a lot of the fo- a lot of the, uh, Equipment that's being built can be run using GNU radio. It can also be, uh, there are ways to get it to run in simulations and stuff. See, I'm a little cold on this whole SDR thing, Russ, because, uh, I only found so far one inexpensive software defined radio that is a transceiver and not just a receiver. And I don't know about everybody else, but I got into amateur radio so I could talk. Okay, so which one is the transceiver that you're aware of? Uh, the only one they have left over at Soft Rock. Which is what? That little one-watt transceiver. Well, I, I think all of the Soft Rock kits were only one watt on the transmit side. But I went over to the, what is it, KB9YIG site today, and you couldn't order any of them. So I don't even know if they're making Soft Rocks anymore. Yeah, the Soft Rock uh, RXTX Ensemble Transceiver Kit, $89. You can still get one? Uh, it's got a button next to it to order it. Okay, because everything I saw said, uh, like, coming soon or something like that. Well, the 20-meter uh, uh, receiver, the uh, RX Ensemble receiver, the 642-meter receiver, I'll say check back soon, but uh, the... RXTX Ensemble, the HF, HF radio, the three-band, whichever three you choose, three-band HF radio, uh, still has a add-to-cart button next to it. Okay, yeah, I do see that now. I could have sworn they were all checked back soon earlier, but we'll get to the soft rocks here in a minute. Uh, they're like the second one on my list. Well, there you go. Get back to GNU radio. One of the things uh, that came up at, Dayton Hamvention a lot was software defined radios. One of the premier vendors or one of the most well-known vendors of soft, uh, yeah, soft of software defined radios is flex radio Linux in the ham shack and Richard and I have had a sort of ongoing head budding session with the flex radio guys. Cause once upon a time they said they were going to be Linux compatible and then they kind of said, well, screw that because we don't care anymore. So lots of people have asked what 
is there in the way of software defined radio that works on Linux? I mean, what's there for us guys who can't afford the multi thousand dollar flex radio software defined hardware packs that they sell up there at Hamvention and through the web and all that stuff? What the hell was that noise? That was me moving the boom. Sorry. Oh, okay. So anyway, there, there are a few different software defined radio projects out there that are either cross platform or Linux specific. And one of them is the GNU radio project. You can find them like Richard already said at GNU radio.org. That's golf, November uniform radio.org. Uh, their software package just reached version 3.6 uh, back about a month ago. You can download that and build it uh, just about any Linux platform there is. In the Debian SID or unstable repos, uh, version 3.2.2 is available as a prepackaged binary for download. But as you can see, there's a much more recent version available if uh, you go ahead and get the source code and build it yourself. So the easiest way to do that is to use Git, the G-I-T, Golf India Tango application. If you download Git, which under Debian and Mint and similar systems is a simple app-get install space Git away, uh, once you've done that, you can do a git space clone space git colon stroke stroke GNU radio dot org stroke GNU radio. Once you do that, you've downloaded the GNU radio source code. Uh, then all you have to do is do a CD space GNU radio and then follow the build instructions. And there are build instructions on the GNU radio wiki for all kinds of Linux distributions Pretty much any distribution you might be running is listed there. Uh, the URL for these build guides will be in the show notes. Uh, it's a fairly lengthy URL, so we'll entrust Bill to put those there. Uh, and Go check those out if you want to download and build the GNU Radio project. The software for GNU Radio is only half of the story. If you want to actually run a software-defined radio, you need some hardware. You need an actual either receiver or transceiver that you can hook up to an antenna and send and receive signals on that you can then decode, map, graph, and whatnot on your Linux machine. So one of the things that I did was I went to the GNU Radio Wiki and I looked at some of the hardware vendors and hardware types that are available that are compatible with the GNU Radio project. And I wanted to outline a few of those here for those people who might want to be, you know, who might want to get into software defined radio for a little less than 10 grand or whatever it is that flex radio is charging for their stuff. So, uh, do you want to go through a couple of these while I take a, a momentary breather, Richard? I think I've outlined them well enough. Oh, look, he went away. No, I didn't go away. I was I'm trying to get to the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I, well need, I need to take a, a few breaths here, so go ahead and and uh, read through the, you know, I'll fill in the gaps, so go for it. Well, the first thing that uh, we got listed here is the uh, Edis, E-T-T-U-S, uh, Edis Research, and they have uh, several software-defined radio units. Unfortunately, we fall, fall back into the same thing again, which is most of them are receivers. 
or at least what I looked at were receivers, but, uh, they have several and they're fairly reasonably priced. You know, as Russ was saying a while ago, flex radio wants a whole lot of money because they're playing to the dummies that are running windows who don't know any better, but these things are pretty reasonably priced. And, um, but I haven't seen where any of them are transceivers at this point. However, you can go on over and check them out. It's, uh, once again, it'll be in the show notes, but it's www.ettus.com. And they have several choices. They also have a variety of antennas listed there and some accessories that go along with it. One of them looks like a wall wart, which is probably the power supply for these radios. You know, the, the great thing about these software defined radios are they, they are low power consumption. They're kind of small in size and easy to work with and that kind of stuff. Key points that, uh, they probably need to be pointed out is, uh, they, they range in from 700 to $2,000 and, uh, 30 kilohertz to 5.9 gigahertz on, oh, look, transmit capable on some also receiving the same range. Uh, Russ, did you happen to see a, an output? How about what they'll uh, put into the antenna? Like a watt, five watts, 10 watts? You know, I didn't come across that when I was looking at the Edis website, but the one thing about the USRP product from edis.com is that this is one of the few software-defined radio products that's GNU radio compatible that is also a transceiver as opposed to simply a receiver. You can buy the base unit for like 700 bucks, and then you have to buy a daughter board that goes in the base unit that will make it transmit and receive on the frequencies that you select. They have some that range through like the HF frequencies, the VHF frequencies, so on and so forth. Their range is basically anywhere from 30 kilohertz through 30 megahertz in the HF band all the way up through about 6 gigahertz at the very top end. That's both receive and transmit. But one thing I didn't see in their specs, and I probably just didn't dig deep enough, was how much output power they actually had. Now, I would think for the 700 to two grand that you have to pay for these things, that it's more than a QRP kit, that it's more than a watt or two. Um, but like I said, I didn't find that out. And if, if Bill happens to discover it in the next few minutes while we're talking about something else, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, but either way, it'll be in the show notes. So uh, just to let you know that the edis.com products are transceivers, uh, where most of the other stuff that we're going to talk about are simply uh, receive only. Yeah, and they also have a pretty good line of uh, these PC board uh, microwave antennas. I know y'all have seen them at the ham fest. Probably some whips to plug into them, too, it appears. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to spend some time uh, checking this out. Uh, I've tried to stay away from the SDR radios because, you know, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. <laughs> and I prefer something that uh, I don't have to drag a computer around to operate. But we will, uh, we will definitely keep an eye on this. So uh, we'll come back to that one. The fun cube dongle. This is the one that really tickles me because, uh, it is a receiver from what I can tell looking at the, uh, looking at the website. In fact, these guys are so into it that, uh, they're running their business on a blog. 
Yeah, buddy. But the FunCube dongle, you plug it into your USB port, and it apparently allows you to uh, listen to satellite transmissions. And once again, it's a receiver only. It doesn't transmit, as far as I can tell by looking at the website. It's so you can listen to the AMSAT satellites. Now, we could go off on a tangent because Richard has a problem with AMSAT because they want you to do stuff free for them, but they don't want to give you nothing for free. My father contacted them one time asking about uh, some, you know, could you give me some frequencies so that I could, you know, at least listen to some of the satellites. I might be interested in getting into it if I listen to them a little while. And their response was, "Mm, become a member. However... The way this appears to work is you plug it into your computer and you're able to monitor data from uh, the FunCube satellite, among others. And uh, it will also, it appears, forward telemetry information to a uh, central data warehouse for AMSAT. Or, yeah, that's what it looks like. However, the upside is that uh, it being a like a USB stick, you plug it in, the drivers are already there. It's compatible with Windows XP, Vista, Windows 7, and uh, also Linux and Mac OS because the standard drivers are already integrated into these operating systems. What else do we have? Frequency range. It'll monitor from uh, roughly 64 megahertz to 1.7 gigahertz with a gap at 11 point or at uh, 1.1 gigahertz and 1.2 gigahertz, which 1270 gigahertz, 12 second, 1270 megahertz, which uh, I believe is one of the satellite bands. <laughs> oh, good lord! Oh, stop poking fun at the guys. Well, uh, this is uh, all this SDR stuff is still relatively new to everybody. And I, I keep griping about the fact that the, they're mostly receivers, but it's still fairly new technology and they're working on it. You know, it took, uh, took a long time for, for you ham radio deluxe guys to get the current ham radio deluxe. When it first started out, it wasn't much. But anyway, let us move on because we're we're trying to to get our thing done. Uh, let's see, Perseus. Now the Perseus appears to be something that's targeted not specifically at us. It uh, it appears to be targeted towards a wide variety of uh, of radio applications. However, this, once again, I haven't found any place where this particular, uh, and it's from Microtel, by the way, any place in the literature on their website where this thing is a transceiver. Um, it does, it is a receiver and, um, it'll push, uh, what is it? 14, you know, it'll if receive you- 10 kilohertz to 40 megahertz, uh, to do, do. You just read what I wrote, you wouldn't have these issues. Well, I'm trying to make it more informative <laughs> instead of giving them bullet points. I see. So let's do it Russ's way. Microtel, uh, Perseus, the, the Perseus SDR can be found at HTTP colon stroke stroke microtel, microtelecom.it.perseus. Uh, it sells for around $1,000. It has no transmit. 
and it does tra- it does receive from 10 kilohertz to 40 megahertz. So uh, y'all go on over and check that out. As with anything we give a link on in the uh, during the show, all this information will be available in the show notes. Do you, uh, I have a question for you? Did you actually talk about the soft rock? During, no, I'm, coming, I'm coming back to it. I oh, you're over. coming back to it. Okay. I was giving you a chance for your voice to recuperate. Okay. Well, I have recuperated. Then let's talk about soft rock. All right. Let's do it. Soft rock at HTTP colon stroke stroke KB9YIG dot com. Didn't we talk about soft rock a while ago? I think we may have mentioned the soft rock in a previous episode just because it was one of the SDR alternatives out there. But I don't think we gave any real specifics on it. And I know we definitely didn't mention the the creator, Kilo Bravo 9 Yankee India Golf. And the thing of it is, if you go over to that website, kb9yig.com, you can find um, what soft rocks were available. Um, they're relatively inexpensive. They cover um, from 160 meters to 10 meters on the transmit side. They are actually transceivers. Now, most of the stuff we've mentioned here tonight are receive only. Uh, so they're only good for listening. They're not good for transmitting. And even the stuff that is a transmitter is very, very low power. Um, Bill actually looked up and said in the chat room that the Edis, uh, USRP stuff, the only thing you could find on there is that it transmits at 100 milliwatts or 0.1 watts. The soft rocks are actually a little more powerful than that. They actually have a one watt output, but again, the stuff is all QRP on the transmit side. This is not like a flex radio, which, which can actually transmit at, you know, a barefoot level of a hundred Watts and stuff like that. Um, these are not those kind of radios, but of course they don't command those prices either because the soft rock you can get for uh 90 bucks or less. Uh, and even though it's one watt out, they are, uh, fairly wide receivers. Um, they do HF six meters, two meters and 70 centimeters. There's only one that's available right now. Richard, which one was that? Uh, that's the, uh, soft rock RX TX ensemble transceiver kit. And with the ensemble transceiver kit, uh, it does one watt out. You can build it for a group of bands and, and you, Meaning if you want a radio that'll do the bands you haven't built it for, you have to have another radio. And, uh, those are 160, 80, 40. Uh, the other one, the next one is 30, 20, 17. And the other next one is 17, 12, and 10. Builder's choice because it is a kit, of course. That's one of the reasons it's so inexpensive. It says it affords the functionality of one of the previous radios, but one of the things we need to remember with these lower power radios is that uh, I'm sure that the intention is that you're going to get an amplifier for them, uh, and at one watt you can build a build an amp to bring it up to five or ten watts without a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of issues. If you want to go much more than that, you're probably going to have to run it through two or three amps to, to get anything like that. Uh, Bill just mentioned that the, uh, the Edis radios have a 200 watt module, but you have to understand that, uh, a lot of radios that run that low power run that low power because they're running some really serious RF energy, meaning uh, really high frequency energy. And the higher you go, the, uh, 
the more you need to limit your exposure. You know, for my money, if I had the time to sit down and build anything and I was going to give a software-defined radio a shot, I'd definitely try and get myself one of these uh, soft rock kits because even at a watt, if you've got a reasonable antenna, uh, you can do a lot of serious damage working HF on one watt, believe it or not. Yeah. I think he he dozed off. So the soft rock is a good, you know, option for a transceiver kit. Um, the other ones, uh, the Atlas ones don't have quite the power. They're a lot more expensive. Uh, the fun cube dongle and the Perseus SDR receivers only, and they tend to be a bit pricey as well. Um, but they are options in the SDR space. So, I mean, it is something to look at. There is one other option called the RTL SDR project. These are some, um, they're based on the, some, some RTL 28, 20 something chipset, uh, general, general receivers. Um, they're fairly broad banded. They receive, uh, mostly in the VHF space and UHF space up, uh, 50 megahertz up to about two gigahertz. I believe they're receive only. Uh, and depending on whichever one you get, you know, their receive capabilities could be, you know, somewhere in that range, all of the range, parts of it, something like that. Um, but typically these devices can be purchased for like 20, 30, 40 bucks. And like I said, they're receive only. They're, they're kind of cool and they're uh, easily accessible. They're specifically available for SDR type applications. They're not really built for SDR, but they turn out that they work just fine. And the GNU Radio Project has um, a module uh, for RTL-type radios specifically uh, so they get these to work, uh, receive only. The thing is, the the RTL-SDR project is a really cool project, and I want to go into that in a little bit more depth. So that's going to come up in a future episode, either in 85 or in 86. Uh, We will talk about RTL-SDR in some serious depth, but I did, I did want to sort of alert people that it's out there, uh, as an SDR option under GNU radio for now, uh, before we move on. So I I think we've pretty much covered all the stuff I wanted to get to on uh, GNU radio, uh, unless you've got something you want to add before we move on to the next thing. No, that pretty much covers it. The, uh, RTL SDR, this is affordable an affordable way to play with SDR, I think, and I'm going to have to look at this more. I'm looking at, uh, looking at one of the, one of the, uh, dongles right now. What is that? A DVB dash T receiver. What the heck is that? Yeah. Anything based on apparently anything based on the real tech, uh, 2832 U, uh, chipset uh-huh. can be used as one of these things. And a lot of them can be purchased for almost no money. We're talking 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole project based around it for a software defined radio. So we're going to talk about that, uh, coming up. So stay tuned. Well, there you go. That's another reason for y'all to come back. when We ain't slacking so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we did the Perseus. Okay. So with that folks, we have stumbled through another, another topic that we might have been prepared for you don't you'll never know because it didn't sound like it (laughs) (laughs) we are good it's it's because russ is having having problems that's right it's all me spoken spoken 
He's feeling better right now. Y'all should have seen the picture I seen. Looked like he was bombed out of his mind the other night. But that's a whole different story. All right. So <laughs> with that, imagine your favorite music here. Okay, now having uh, ha- now having imagined your second favorite piece of music, uh, let's go ahead and turn a corner to feedback. So, uh, our first piece of feedback was on the website from VA3PID, and it says Russ would be the first person, possibly ever, to correctly place my accent at Hambention. What was that all about, Russ? Well, a fine young gentleman came up to me at Hamvention and started talking to me, and I asked him what part of Scotland he was from, and he said, wow, that might be the first time you I've ever been identified properly as Scottish based on my accent. So I, I feel good for having gotten that right, but that's pretty much it. Um, he did have one other comment, though. Yeah, I saw that. I was just waiting. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't really have much more to say about the thing other than I was right, and I don't want to toot my own horn too long here, so uh, let's move on to the next thing. Trying to fill the show with content. Oh, I think we're already there. That's what these people are paying for. That's right. All right. Well, he also left a second piece of feedback on the website, which uh, says Chirp has come a long way since then, and I'm not sure which... uh, uh, which posting he was referring to. This was but, actually uh, in reference to episode number 71. And I don't know when episode number 71 came out, but it's been a while. It was probably when I was talking about chirp and D rats. Uh, anyway, and, uh, it says, uh, chirp has come a long way since then. It can now program my FT eight fifty seven D, which, uh, well, I'm glad to hear that because if I ever dig my, my 97 out of the closet and, uh, get an antenna hooked up around here, it's, uh, the programming software for it will run under wine, but I would prefer to have something that I don't have to play that game with. So for those of y'all out there that have 857D, Chirp will now program an 857D. If y'all are unfamiliar with Chirp, check the back episodes. We did talk about it. Uh, it's a project that run, that uh, is put together by the same guy that does the D-Rats, uh, D-Star Digital uh, Program, uh, Dan's Planet. I think, uh, yeah, Dan's Planet uh, is uh, his website. Y'all, I'm sure Bill will have it in the show notes for y'all. All right, so uh, we got an email from Jonas. And it says, hey, R&R, great show. For some reason, your show's dropped off my bash potter some time ago. I've been hearing everyone talking about your shows on other podcasts and decided to download them manually. Somehow, I forgot how fun they are. I listened to four straight. I'm a uh, uh, whatever the heck that is. Uh, Linux link tech show. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Listener, so I appreciate the round roundabout style interwoven with Linux and ham. I don't do anything ham, but you always have something interesting to learn regarding Linux and where the pecker is on the chicken. There you have it. And whatever on IRC. There you go. <laughs> so uh, where is the pecker on a chicken? It's on his face. Yeah, that's right. It's on its face. Everybody write that down. On his face. On its face. 
just below his eyeballs. It's used to pick up corn, not what you were thinking. And there you have it. Chicken packers. That's right. Chicken packers. I think we've discussed this before, and apparently Bill's having a problem staying connected. And last but not least, we got one from Stefano. Stefano. And I would imagine Stefano is in Italy. And I got to find Stefano's email because Russ didn't put it in here. Well, let me go ahead and do Stefano's email because I have an answer for him. Is that all right? Okay. You sure? Oh, there it is. Okay, go ahead. Okay, you're not going to feel set upon if I go ahead and read this one? No, go ahead. Okay, this one is from Stefano, IZ3NVR, uh, and also KD2BGM. Uh, he is, in fact, in Italy, and he says, in response to our last episode where I talked about him at some length, Hi, guys. Thank you for the help and the mention on your podcast. My problem with SO2SDR was exactly what Russ pointed out. It quit during installation due to a lack of some libraries, or something during the QMake command. By the way, I tried to install all, but this is what I obtained in the installation. And he gave me a little bit of de- debug output from the make he did when he tried to build uh, the SO2 SDR software. And down at the bottom, he says, what's going on with that? I really can't figure it out. Sorry if I'm such a pain, but I'm a Linux noob. Thanks again for the help and for the mention. I love your podcast and being mentioned has been great. And that's from Stefano India Zulu three November Victor radio and his American call sign is Kilo Delta two Bravo golf. Mike, thanks Stefano for, uh, the follow-up feedback. I did talk about this, uh, in the last episode where I talked about getting the SO2 SDR software downloaded and, uh, the things you needed to download and install, under a Debian system to get this to build properly and run. And on my system, it worked properly. And on his system, it didn't. Now, interestingly, the little bit of the debug output that he sent me was in Italian. But luckily, Italian and English seem to translate pretty well when it comes to actually building software from source. So what it turns out is there's a uh, a little bit of information here that's very relevant It's about the seventh line down in this debug output that he sent. And it says, make one G plus plus commando non trovato. And I don't know Italian from Swahili, but I'm pretty sure this means that G plus plus is not installed. And that's a big problem. If you're trying to install something that's C plus plus based or written in cute. So what I would recommend to Stefano is that he does an apt dash get space install space G plus plus space build dash essential. Uh, this will set up a build environment, including G plus plus for his, uh, G or C plus plus based applications, which will include the G plus plus command that he needs in order to build, uh, this cute app, which is in fact, SO2 SDR. Now there's some other stuff that he may have to install afterwards, uh, like the cute environment and some of the other dependencies that I mentioned in the previous episode. So I hope he'll go back to the show notes and check out those as well. Uh, but you're definitely not going to be able to install this without installing uh, G plus plus first. So go ahead and install G plus plus and the build dash essential meta package. Then go ahead and do this like you did before. And I bet you'll have uh, a considerably more success than you had this time. 
So uh, that's my answer to that. And I actually uh, feel really good that I was able to debug this problem in Italian. Commando non trovato. It sounds like a bad Mexican film. <laughs> si, Commando non trovato. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, Stefano, we always make jokes. Don't get upset. Go to go go do a rust tell you he's pretty pretty smart on this stuff and let us know if you got it fixed because we uh, I always want to know if we if we actually hit upon something that actually works for somebody sometimes it happens sometimes not much but sometimes I kind of get and, the impression that if something works for Stefano he's going to let us know and in fact apparently there's some stuff in the Ubuntu forums with from that command in Italian. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, hang on a second. Let me check. Perha- perhaps out. it's only the Italians who don't bother to install G plus plus. Uh, let me check. Dang it. Don't get in a hurry. I'm sorry. Maybe G plus plus is banned in Italia. It might be up. Oh, that's what it translates to command. Not found. Thank you. Google. In fact, I've been looking to take rest of the task over Google. Wasn't too long ago. He was calling them the evil empire. And, and now he just got all kinds of stuff going on with them. He building apps over there and, and just all kinds of stuff on, on Google plus and, and everything. And I just don't know. Just be- I just don't know. Just because they're the evil empire doesn't mean I don't get sucked in. You know, I got a legitimate reason. I've been using Google since like the early nineties when they first started out. Well, so have I, but just as a search engine. Yeah. In fact, we had this little, little tech show on, uh, the, the PBS station down here back in 94, 95. And they actually turned me on before that I was using web crawler. You remember web crawler? I remember web crawler and meta crawler and Alta Vista and I used Yahoo for about 30 seconds and just, and before we go one more piece of feedback from the website, this comes from David Dominicki. David Dominicki wants to sell us porno. And he says, excellent blog right here. Additionally, uh, your website has so much, so much up very fast. Uh, what host you the use of, Can you I- know, that's the problem with the Chinese. They can't really, uh, conjugate and uh can i (laughs) can i am getting your associate link in your host i want my website loaded up as quickly as yours lol yeah i don't want anybody hosting my hosting my link or nothing else it's kind of like a guy that keeps sending sending the the comments that that i thought russ had banned him and he just keeps showing up oh you mean bert yeah that one yeah bert the douchebag yeah that one okay I think he's just lonely. I think he's lonely too. And you notice how we haven't really talked about his comments. Well, I'd never talk about the comments directly. We just want to say, Bert, Bert, you're a very lonely man. You need to get into like a, a church group, meet some, uh, senior hotties. I don't know. I just, I, I'm telling you, you need to do something. If you can't do that, psychological help is an 800 number away. Just, just get that taken care of, man. Cause we're, we're concerned and we're praying for you. And we really hope that someday you find a woman, uh, one that will understand and let you do some of the 
weird badger that you've been talking about. Anyway, so with that, we've done all the feedback. We've even read a, read a piece of crap that'll never never be visible on the website. And uh, so, do you have anything else, Russ? Before we go, I honestly think we've nailed it down to as much as I wanted to talk about. Isn't, it, isn't that something? He normally tells me to shut the hell up. Let's see. With Wait, that, is it time but, to go? I think so. All right, folks. Well, it sounds like Richard's going to start leading us out. All right. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or something similar to that over at Black Sparrow Media. Or you can get a hold of me on Facebook or Twitter or uh, just all kinds of places. And with that, we'll hand it off to Russ and he can give you his information. What if I don't want to? Then you don't have to. Oh, but I will. Uh, this is Russ, K5TUX. You can uh, email me at K5TUX at LHSpodcast.info or you can email Richard and I together at info at LHSpodcast.info. Check out the website. You already know where it is, LHSpodcast.info. Listen to us every other Tuesday night for the live feed. Give us a call, 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. We would like to hear from you, and we'd like to get some voice feedback for you. I'm out there on most of the social media networks like Facebook and Twitter and Google+, and Identica and all those places. You can find me as J.R. Woodman. I'm also K5TUX over at 73s.org. And that's it for me up here between the peaks in the pine forests of north central Arkansas. This has been episode number 84 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I'm going to send it back down to Richard somewhere near the Trinity River in his very, very spacious cardboard box where he's going to wind up this episode by saying... Yes, this is episode. This is uh, Studio C board, and since I'm feeling magnanimous this evening, and having a great amount of love for my fellow man, I just want to say, live long and prosper. We'll see you next time. I did the freaking hand thing when I said that.